0: I am really excited about the interview today with Ezra and Jaconda Rice. I've known them for a really long time. I've known them, man, I don't even remember. It's been, it's been a very long time since we met many, many years. And so I am, I'm really blessed to be able to just share with them. They have such a heart for worship, such a heart for prayer and the things that they have to say are so powerful and their story is so powerful. And I don't want to talk too much about it because I want to give you the opportunity just to go through it, just listen to the podcast, listen to what they have to say because I know it's going to impact you. I know that it's God's going to touch you and speak to you through it. I know I re- remind you guys all the time and I hope I hope you're not going to get too sick of it. But if you please just help share this, help get this out and do the subscribe thing and give a little note on Apple Podcasts or I don't think you can do that on Spotify. I think Spotify you just download or something like that but subscribe to this podcast so you keep getting the the episodes that come out every Tuesday and Thursday. We're doing a lot, We're, we're getting more and more guests, more just wild stories and testimonies, and all I can say is, for me, this journey that started just a few months ago, and I really just thought I was just gonna do a couple little bios, and it has turned into this opportunity to speak to some of the most incredible people I've ever spoken to, and hear stories from some of the most incredible people that what what an honor. What an honor to be able to do this. And so I am I am so thankful that you've joined me on this journey. I'm thankful to those of you who have written in and just told me how God has blessed you through this podcast and how glad God has touched you and spoken to you. And I just please keep doing it. Also uh the, the Revival Carriers podcast Facebook page that's that is happening. <laughs> So I know a lot of you listen on the podcast, maybe you don't You don't go on the Facebook page, but just so you know that the Facebook page is there, if you ever want to go in and write in and connect with other people who listen, the Facebook page is, it doesn't have a lot of activity right now, because I don't think a lot of people have discovered it yet, because I don't talk about it enough, but there, there is a Facebook page, and I do go on there, I just started going on there live, doing some little videos on there, and just trying, I, I want to engage more with you, those of you who are listening and watching. I wanna just have more communication with you and hear your suggestions. If there's someone you'd like to hear a bio on or maybe someone that you know that you think would be an awesome person to interview, I'm always open to that because I'm doing interviews every single week. And if you listen to the interview with Ray from Kicking Bear, you know that that was one of those things that just sort of happened. And so I'm very open to to new, to new interviews and speaking to new people and hearing stories because God is doing great things all over the world. And a lot of it is with people who are unknowns and they're not necessarily famous or have big ministries, but God is really using them. So, oh, it's a blessing. So thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy this interview. I know you will know it's going to be a blessing and yeah, many blessings. Here we go. Let's just jump into it. Let's just do it. No more talking. We're going. <music>
1: Hey. Hey man. Hey Alan. How are you? Good.
0: How are you guys doing?
1: Good.
0: I was watching Good. that, I watched that worship video that you guys were doing. Uh, you did about a week ago, and I saw it and I was like, man, you guys look exactly the same.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <That was laughs> you funny. like you like never age, it's amazing. <laughs>
2: It's, well, you can tell it's not the <laughs> same. <laughs> it's,
1: it's that Costa Rican water here. You know, yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> the weather and the water. and the...
2: <laughs> Oh, man. man yeah. not,
0: not, I saw pictures of Joshua. Your kids are getting so big. Some... Yeah.
2: I know. Yeah,
1: the kids are growing, definitely. We, we may not look like it, but they do. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Yeah, Elias is 13 now
1: wow teenager
0: yeah and he's actually tonight tonight at youth group he's preaching for the first time he's doing like a little 20 minute sermon tonight right up right after we we uh do this Wow, that's wow,
1: awesome that's <laughs>
0: yeah i'm really i'm really proud of him I'm, I'm really excited to see what god's gonna do with him
1: oh that's great that's yeah. really good now where are you guys at right now
0: so right now we're in pennsylvania and uh, we we were in Texas for a while and then we came up here there there's a church that we partnered with here that they uh, we went up for a conference a couple of years ago and then after the conference we really had a connection with the church here and so then they they wanted to do sort of sort of like a DTS mission school here and Uh so we came up and we we led that with them here and then just fell in love with the place and we We had been staying at my parents' house in Texas when we were here in the states, but then they sold their house, so we don't really have anywhere else to go <laughs> to go here in the states so yeah, yeah we're <laughs> pretty it's pretty much yeah, but we're so we're we it's pretty cool god's God's been moving here, so we've got a couple of staff now here in Pennsylvania, and God's been just opening up doors and oh
1: uh, good,
0: yeah, it's been really awesome. So how have you guys been doing? I, you, you're, seems like you're, it seems like every time I, I look at Facebook, cause I, I don't look at it super often, but it seems like every time I look, you guys seem to be in a different place. You were in Kona, you're in Costa Rica, you're, you're <laughs> like, it, it's, uh, but you're in San Jose right now, right?
1: Yeah. 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 We, we've been here in Costa Rica, uh, for actually it's, we're going to be going on four years, uh, wow. in January, uh, next year. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so we we've just been here and um, yeah, working with the with the Wyoming base with San Jose. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So, what we usually do on this podcast is because I've had a bunch of a bunch of people on and what the the whole point of it is really just we like to hear people's testimonies and kind of how because I just did an interview not long ago with another person and what we were talking about is how there are there's kind of a disconnect between the local church and ministry because a lot of people they feel like they're unable to do ministry because all they see are like the mega the mega famous people, the preachers, the people who have all the bookshelves of, of their books and teachings and all that. And I kind of cool. the Lord the Lord sort of spoke to me one mm-hmm. day whenever I was out on an outreach I, w- I was in Nepal and i was out in these mountains with these with all these pastors and they were people who nobody nobody's ever heard of before nobody knows who they are but they're reaching tens of thousands of people in nepal and so i kind of yep. had this moment where god started speaking to me about how there are so many countless amounts of people out there who aren't famous they're not they're not filling they're not doing all these books and all these selling all these products and all these things but they're doing incredible things for the lord and so I started interviewing people just to sort of hear their story, people that they're doing something from the, for the Lord and with God and, and all these awesome things. And so I, I've done interviews with the last interview I did was with a woman named Lacey Hoover, and she, she is part of an adoption agency in South Carolina, but she has a ministry where she makes, she makes uh, care packages for children in foster care, and she's sending is- them out to all these kids who – especially now that they've all been quarantined and locked in because of COVID. So she, <coughs> she sends them snacks and toys and books and things like that. And, and then I did another interview uh, a few days ago with, with a man named Ray who has a ministry called kicking bear, where he got saved. He was in, he was a foster kid and he got saved because he had been in jail and the probation officer introduced him to hunting and the Lord he had this crazy encounter with the Lord through his, one of his hunting experiences and he was at, he actually got so good with the bow and arrow. He was doing trick shots for corporations and mm-hmm. he was shooting. He, he did a ribbon cutting ceremony for this one corporation and he, he <laughs> shot five, one inch ribbons from a hundred yards away, which is a football field. And he hit every single one of them with one arrow, which he said was humanly impossible. I'm, I'm no archer or hunter, but he said it's humanly impossible to do that with five, five in a row. And he said he, he, he was a non-believer, and he went up and he was looking at all the arrows in a row, how they'd cut all the ribbons. And he said, this thought popped into his mind that said, God had to have guided these arrows because there's no way I could have done this. And then right there, he got on his knees and accepted the Lord in front of all these corporate people. And Wow. and now that he has
2: wonderful
0: yeah now he has this ministry where he does camps for for troubled kids and kids in single mother homes and, and things like that and he's reaching thousand he, he, the average camp has like five to six hundred kids in it wow. and they have all these people come out teach him to hunt and all the, and so he's just I, I'm getting to meet all these people who are really just doing awesome things for the Lord. And so cool. it's just, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been, it's been a blast. <clears throat> and so all of that to say, what I always do is I just start out and just ask if you guys could just tell me, tell me your stories. How did you, how did you come to the Lord? How did you grow up? How did you just, what, what is your journey and how did you end up in in YWAM Costa Rica? Yeah. Cool.
1: You want to go first? Awesome. I mean, he's just
2: gonna ask questions, right? Yeah. <laughs> or or am I just gonna say something like, like well, how I, is it, how is it like you just tell us like we just go and talk about who we are. Just ask the questions.
1: And share
2: your story. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay,
0: yeah. okay. So so yeah, you just just share your story, and then if there are any questions, I might cut you off and, and ask you a question about it as you're going. It's it's pretty okay. pretty. I
2: I was, if it was an interview that you asked us a question and we just go ahead and answer or I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there'll be questions, but if you could just start with just, just sharing your story.
2: All right.
0: Yeah.
2: You want me to go first? All right,
1: kid. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll go first. So I'll get her warmed up. Sure. So, well, I, I grew up in Oregon and, uh, grew up in a, in a Christian family, uh, just one sister and my parents. And, and so I, I grew up always knowing the Lord, um, just, you know, went to church my whole life and, and, um, and really like had a concept of God, you know, from a very young age, I even asked Jesus to be my savior. I think when I was like five years old on my mom's lap, you know? Uh (laughs) And so it's, yeah, it's a super blessing to, to be able to grow up like that. And, um, and, and just to, to have a, a good, loving family um, and, and just to be, you know, in that environment. And so, um, so but yeah, I, I grew up as a, a normal kid. Uh, nothing like too, too crazy or, or, or too different, you know. Um, and, but I always had, you know, a heart for the Lord. I always had a heart to, to do good, you know, to be a good kid. I didn't really have any rebel streaks or anything like that. I always wanted to please my parents and, um, I was the second child. And so I kind of learned from my, my older sister of, of what not to do. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And then, I, I mean, I just see God's hand on my life as I, as I got older and just the different things that he led me into. Um, one of the biggest things in my life was just to, uh, to get involved in, in worship, and uh in music and that's always been a big part of my life um when i was actually about 13 when i was a teenager i got the opportunity to start playing drums for my church worship team Uh, we just had a really small church and so they're like we need anybody and so (laughs) i i had taken some drum lessons before and um so i got the job and i didn't know what i was doing but i knew how to keep a beat and but I didn't know much about worship or anything like that, but I did that, you know, throughout high school, four years, and and just you know, Sunday after Sunday, year after year, you know, it just started giving me more and more of a heart of worship, and um, and and then I, I continued that into college and uh, began leading worship, learning how to play the guitar and, and things like that, and and so that's always been a, a real big part of my life uh, that that God. Has always used and still uses today. Um, I think when I was in college, I went to a, a Christian college, and and so during that time, I you know again just started uh, developing more of a heart for ministry. Um, and it, yeah, I, I always had had a sense of of just wanting to really live for the Lord, and 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 just kind of like thinking outside the box. I, I didn't really want to just live a normal life. I didn't want just the normal nine you know nine to uh, nine to six job or whatever they call it but i and, and i always just kept you know wanting to to look outside and and, and just you know I, I loved any ministry opportunities that we had like in college i would always go on the uh the spring break spring break serve trips you know we, we would go down to mexico that was my first time out of the country which i also loved i, I just had an adventurous kind of uh spirit as well i wanted to see and do things you know that i'd never experienced before and so just to be in a different culture in mexico was just really fun and uh and and then and then of course just all the you know working alongside of, of friends and then also the people in the community playing with the kids um all those things were, were really fun for me and so so those things started really forming in my life uh, like in my early 20s uh, in those kind of uh, opportunities that I got in college and then I, I came out of college and you know still with, with those with those things and the Lord was that, was doing a lot of just kind of reviving you know my own heart and just really uh, continuing to just put that that passion for the Lord in my heart I was reading books like books about uh, Jim Elliott you know mm-hmm. the, the missionary to Ecuador who, who gave his life along lot Nate Saint and other friends and um, and, and, just other books of, of people like that, A.W. Tozer, you know, that just has this, just this passion for knowing God and, and just thinking about God. And so, so just this, this kind of, you know, revival and growth and things were going on in my heart in, in the early twenties. And, and I always had in the back of my mind, just, you know, this idea of missions, um, but, but kind of the biggest thing keeping me from it was just the whole you know, how does it work financially? You know, the financial yeah. security of it. And I was just always kind of in my mind and, uh, and just not sure. Yeah. How that would work. Uh, but then about like three years after college of, of just, you know, trying different jobs also being involved in different ministries. I was just trying to figure out what to do with my life, <clears throat> but, but not really having any clear direction, but I still had this thing of, of like long-term missions. And I thought, well, I should just try it out, you know. I'm at this point. I'm still not married. I'm still single. Uh, I'll give it a try. And so I started researching along with um, one of my pastors at my church. He really helped guide me into that process of looking around and, and praying about about the decision of where I should go or what I should do. Um, and that's how I, I I was looking at different options, but one of them was YWAM Youth with the Mission, and uh, and so. Yeah, the, the Lord basically led me to uh, to go to Panama. Um, I actually, at that time, and I still do. I, I've always had a heart for Latin America, and I don't know. Maybe it started just with those trips to Mexico or something yeah. like that. But but I always had this uh, this desire to just kind of know more of this culture and just know how how the people here related to God. You know, compared to how we in the states do. And and uh, and so I, I, I was looking into places in Latin America, and 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 the place that opened up was was to go to Panama. Yeah, I was gonna
0: so- ask I was gonna ask you about that because whenever I went to Panama, I didn't even know Panama existed. I only knew about Mexico. That was it. <laughs> I, I I never knew it. It was actually because of of a friend, a, a girl who was on staff there in Panama. I was she was a friend of a friend. And I was, I was talking to somebody and I couldn't get through to anyone in Mexico. I was trying to apply for the bases there and nobody responded to the emails or anything. And so I ended up, I was, I was with a friend and I just said, name a country in central America. That's where I'm going to go. And she said, Panama. And I had no idea where it was. I just went, I looked up YWAN, Panama and I applied and then Debbie Tracy, she called me that same day. And like a week later I was there. (laughs) Did Did you always know I mean did you know Panama or anything you'd just been to Mexico right yeah
1: I mean that was that was really similar to what happened with me too I I was like looking more into South America just kind of you know Google searches and things like that but but again I was sending emails but not really getting anywhere and then somehow um somehow I saw the website for Panama and I was like okay yeah I think that's in Latin America you know (laughs) kind of thing and and so, yeah, same thing. I sent emails there and they responded right away. <laughs> and, uh, and so everything just worked together. Like the, the timing for the DTS and all that seemed to fit, you know? And so, yeah, it's funny how, how that works. How but, God, yeah.
0: how God, God, God can guide you. It's, it's so funny. doesn't matter yeah. what, if he wants you to go somewhere, he can show you how to get there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. God's hand is. Is on it, you know, especially when you look back and you see all those details and things. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I, I came to Panama for the DTS, and uh, and just you know, I, I loved everything about the experience. I just loved again being in this different culture, uh, so different than what I knew. And and just to, uh, you know, after reading like books about Jim Elliott and people like that, I always wanted to be in a tropical kind of environment where I can go through the jungle with my machete, you know, (laughs) be like Tarzan (laughs) or whatever. And and so just that adventurous kind of uh, thing about it was definitely there in Panama. And and so I just loved all those things, you know, to, uh, I mean, yeah, about the DTS of, of just first of all, I didn't think I needed a DTS. I was just ready to get into missions, you know, but with the DTS, you have to, you know, you have to do these classes first for 12 weeks. I mean, I, I went to Christian school. I knew everything there was about God, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> okay, <laughs> college. But, uh, but, you know, surprisingly to me, I, I ended up really enjoying uh, that time of, of classes and studying and just going deeper into God and you know, just thinking about questions I didn't think I had, um, but just being able to really, you know, mull over different things about my faith and, and things like that. And so that, that was a, a great thing that the great experience that I came to enjoy that I still do. It started, you know, that <clears throat> even more of a journey just to get to know God, to pursue, uh, knowing God even more and more, which will continue know, <laughs> until we get to heaven. Uh, and so yeah that part of it was was awesome as well as going on the outreach and just being able to get out there and to love people and just to you know uh, witness. where did you, where did you share- go on outreach it was in panama uh mm-hmm. we did part of the time up into costa rica but it was mostly all in panama uh, but we you know the as you know like the the ywam ministry there does a lot of focus on the indigenous people so we would go up into the villages, get on the canoes, and go up into the rivers, and uh, you know, hike through the jungle. And and uh, I, I mean, I just love that, and sleeping out in the huts, and things like that, with the people in the villages, uh, swimming in the rivers, bathing in the rivers, you know. And so, but it was, yeah, it was also just an incredible experience to be able to to just share in the faith, and you know, that always builds you up when you're when you're doing things like that. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of kind of the beginning of how I got uh, into why i way back. That was actually 2002 when I did my DTS. Wow. Uh,
0: yeah. I did mine in 2001.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, wow. Yeah. We're, we're in the oldie, oldie goldie oh, club. I know. I,
0: <laughs> yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to remember whenever, when I met you, I, I, I met you, both of you, it had to have been, 2006 like early 2006 because that's about whenever I went to Panama maybe late 2005 <laughs> yeah. and so when when did you two get married
2: yeah we
1: got married right at the beginning of 2006
2: yeah it was okay. 2005 then
0: yeah yeah, yeah. wow so Joconda, what what's your story
2: well I'm from Costa Rica and I actually grew up in a Christian family too and I have to say I wasn't a white sheep in my home (laughs) (laughs) I have a brother and he actually started missions before I did and he kind of came and talked to us about this group that he found YWAM and in that time I I did my DTS in 97 so at that time for Costa Ricans that was really weird like we were in our 20s we were in um getting to college university and kind of to come to the house and say, I found a new thing that I wanted to do instead of continue university. It was kind of random, uh, Yeah. <laughs> but he went on to DTS. And after that, uh, I came to visit him often. And because it's very rare for, you know, for people in our culture to leave their home, but in why won't you go and live at the, at the, one base and so I went to visit him often and um, people will ask me so are you gonna do DTS I said no (laughs) that's not for me that's good for you guys that that wasn't in my radar at that time Um, I kind of like fashion and design and just different things and I didn't think missions was that you know nice (laughs) i always had the picture of you know the old missionaries coming to our churches you know ladies with the big you know like uh dresses and long hair and i was like that definitely not for me (laughs) and i remember one time i went to my parents asked me to go to a crusade with alberto motesi and he was just doing his evangelistic crusade and Suddenly, he started talking about a picture of, you know, this this chicken coop, and there was this one um, chicken that didn't feel like a chicken because it wasn't a chicken. It was actually a a geese that was stuck in the same place, and this geese was always looking to the sky, thinking, "I would love to fly like those older ones that are going there, but." he never knew that he was a different thing than a chicken. So until one day he could go out and he figured out he could fly. And he was, Alberto Motesi was talking about how many people in the crowd in this um, stadium, he was saying, you know, like sometimes maybe you feel in the wrong place and maybe this is your time to fly, to, to, you know, follow whatever God meant you to be. And at that time, it was just kind of click with me. I was like, uh, I was serving in a church. I was a youth leader. And I actually had a lot of difficulties because um, the church pastors, like, they would come to me and say, oh, like, you can't do this. If you're going to be a youth leader, you can't just do this fashion designing thing and modeling. That's just not godly, you know. And I, I usually did just like hand modeling, you know, like nails and Sally Hansen and stuff like that, because my friends were Christians and they will also think that was bad to do. <laughs> so I, I was like, well, but I had opportunity to reach out to people that the church would never be able to reach out because they wouldn't be friends with those people. So I saw a lot of people. I saw young people, like young girls, you know, I will ask them, do you think, you know, what you do, exposing yourself, or is that worth it to you? Like, you know, like people, I saw people, like some some girls, she actually committed suicide because nobody cared about her. They cared about how she looked, but nobody cared about how she was feeling or what she was dealing with. And And for me, it was really strong that I could just be friends with these people and speak truth and life and challenge them in their walk and what they were doing. Why do you do what you do? Like, do you think this is worth it? And so I really felt like, well, I don't think I just need to stay, you know, in the local church setting. I just feel like I need to go further, you know? And so I kind of took the challenge. I said, okay, I'm going to do DTS, you know, I'm going to see what God wants for me. And since that moment, I really felt God has calling me to the nations. And that was like something that he put in my heart. And then it was a whole journey. Like I actually, before I did DTS, I served with Mercy Ships. I went to do like agricultural training in Texas. And I translated for a few times for trips for like medical teams and stuff like that in Nicaragua. And. And then after DTS, I took my community development school and that kind of set my, the way for me to be involved in community development, to have a passion, to see people moving towards God's intentions and communities and empowering people. And so I did that school and I did both DTS and that in in Erelia at the base in in, in Erelia in Costa Rica. And then after that, um, I actually have a really amazing outreach through Central America all the way to Mexico in a, with a car that was really, <laughs> really challenging, but we totally believe God and it's a whole story by itself.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah, it's, it always amazes me how I think every outreach has its own unique sort of craziness that happens in we- it. Uh, yeah the the memories even just that you saying that just reminds me of my my outreach I, it was in the states but we drove all across the east coast and uh yeah just the the incredible stories that come out of that
2: yeah it's like each like each outreach is thing i i embarked on it was really a thing of faith you know like we didn't really have our money to go like there were a couple students who had their finances and with that we just prayed and we we bought a car with that money and we trusted the lord to provide for our food and that's how we went we sometimes we will have like a little cup of cereal and that was our food sometimes we will stop in churches and do ministry and they will invite us for dinner and sometimes we even had to sleep in the car sometimes just like sitting up you know sometimes we slept in the floor of the church and it was just amazing what God was doing in in the communities, but in our hearts too, you know, like just the revelation of his love and the, the challenges that we had to depend on him totally. And it was just a beautiful thing to see how he did things through our lives and in us. And it was just amazing to see his provision all the time. Like we stopped in one church and then suddenly they fixed We had this the springs coming out of the car like it was this beat up car so a guy said oh i can fix that that's my job so he fixed it and we were like wow this is amazing you know like we were getting into mexico into chiapas and then suddenly oh we can actually travel in this car because now it's soft you know and it was like that the whole time like i mean by the time the last place where we ministered was in mexico city and it was actually these people from the Volkswagen agency, they invited us to come to, to do a, a presentation, you know, in their w- place of work. And we went and the lady said, you know, like I talked to the people in the agency and we wanted to check your car for you guys. And we we're like, OK, I mean, we spent the whole outreach just pushing the car because the clutch didn't like work so we will have to push it and run after the car to jump in you know like because it, like if you want to change the gears then the car will stop and it will not go back so we were like just having so much it was challenging but it was amazing just to see like we knew god colors for that season and we were in the right place so we will do anything that god needed to do like wanted us to do And at the end, like, they even changed the motor. They did a lot of things, and we couldn't even believe it. Like, we were like, wow, like, we didn't even know what to say because we didn't have money. We said, no, we don't have money. They were like, no, we want to bless you with this. And we were like, wow. (laughs) So it was from the beginning of my time in missions, it was just like a miracle, you know?
0: Wow. And
2: it's been an amazing journey. In reality, I don't imagine to be doing anything else than, you know, being missions. And after that time in DTS, I went to work in South Africa with the community of school. And that was also amazing, like three years of traveling different nations in Africa, running training, visiting communities, living in the bush. I mean, bringing the gospel in the midst of like Muslims and just to see the simplicity of life. Like they didn't have nothing. And these people were content. They will just sing around the fire and talk and go to bed and they were happy. They didn't have food, but it was okay. Like I was just so shocked to see and think, oh, you know, back at home, everybody wants to have more and more, but these people don't know what is that. Like they don't know what is to have more, but it's, like it's, I just love like the people in Africa. They're just so simple. They love, they have a passion and they have a passion for the Lord. Uh, when they come to know Jesus, they, they are sold out, you know. They did. really had a lot of challenges with witchcraft and people that were like weird, but they go all in, you know, like, and that was something that I really enjoy serving them and, just working with the communities and just trying to encourage them, you know, what are God's intentions for you guys and how you can move towards that and how the church can see transformation and empower the like even their communities, you know, to, to walk in the truth and to see change uh, physically and in their culture and spiritually in many areas. So it's just being an amazing journey, like, stories and stories (laughs)
0: yeah so how how did you end up going to panama and meeting ezra
2: well that was a different like i was in south africa for three years and then after that i actually left in september 11 i left i was at the airport at that time and and people were like so why don't you stay because a year and a half before i was there and got had called me to stay and prepare an outreach thing, but I didn't have the finances to do that. So I was told, no, you have to pack up and go. And I was trying to talk to my parents, you know, like I said, you know, I just need your blessing. Like they were like, we don't have money for you to stay and get a new ticket. And I said, I just need your blessing. If you can give me your blessing, then I know God, it will provide. So it was a big training school. And on the way to the airport, like people were praying for me. I already had prepared a team and everybody in my team had raised the finances and I still didn't have my finances. So I was like, Lord, this is crazy. So I was in the bus with like another 50 people and people will come with scriptures and $20 or $5. Or... By the time I got to the airport in Cape Town, I had $500. Wow. So I remember getting to the public fund and talking to my dad and I said, dad, can I stay here? I have $500. And he's like, well, you need $500 more. And I say, well, yeah, but if God provide this, he will provide the rest. Like I, I can just walk with this. I just need your blessing. I just need you to say, yes, you can stay. Um, and that's what they did. And I stayed. So when I went to, to back to the base, uh my brother was actually waiting for me and he's like oh you're killing me i've been in this in the bathroom all day long my stomach hurt it's so much the stress and everything and he's like you're not gonna believe it somebody came and gave the other 500 dollars i said
1: what <laughs> wow <laughs> So wow.
2: then two days later i go and buy a ticket and the lady said you're not gonna believe it the price dropped so now it's like cheaper. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I actually had money to go on outreach. So like my time in Africa was amazing. But when I went to the airport to get on my plane to leave South Africa after three years, the whole thing with the Twin Towers happened. And we were just watching it in in the screen at the airport. And I was actually flying through Turkey to get to England. And then I had a three days left, left layover. And then I was flying to the US. So I prayed and I, everybody said, no, just stay here. This is too dangerous to fly. We don't know what's happening. You're going to, you know, Turkey is no safe and all this. I said, well, I'm gonna pray. And if God said, go, I'm gonna go. And that's what I did. I prayed and God said, go. So I got in the plane, went all fine. I got to London and I stayed with my friend three days. And those, that was chaotic. Like the airport was with thousands of suitcases, people that was left for three days at the airport waiting for their flights. And I remember just to get to the airport with my staff, I got in my plane and left. I was like, this is just unbelievable. (laughs) I didn't have any problems. I was like, you know, just doing the same thing you do at the airport, you check in and just get in the plane and left. (laughs) And all these people, it was so much chaos. So such a terrible situation, you know, and I could just see God's hand, you know, like, I was like, thank you, Lord, it worked out well, it could have been really messy, I could have got stuck, you know, in the US or they couldn't, you know, all these different situations. And so I came to Costa Rica, and then our next school, we run two international schools in Africa, and then our, following school, like I went to Barbados to do a leadership training school. And then we planned to do a community on school in Jamaica. So I was for two years in Jamaica preparing for this school. And then after the school, um, I came back to Costa Rica and that's kind of when my brother was pioneering a base here in Costa Rica. And he actually, I helped him to run the first community on school here. And he said, hey, how did you walk with me to uh, Talamanca, which is the indigenous, you know, mountains between Panama and Costa Rica. And I said, well, I don't know. I don't think Nico is my big thing. Is this survival camp in the mountains, you know. <laughs> did you do Nico? You probably did.
0: I actually didn't. They wouldn't let us okay. do it because of our kids.
2: <laughs> so anyway... That's. I went there, and I said, okay, I'm going to go. God said go. I go there, so I went, and actually, it was funny. That's where Ezra was. He brought a team from from the Panama base, Panama City, and that's actually where we met. Wow. We ended up being in the same team, and um, we just kind of were always talking. And But, yeah, it was kind of interesting because – I kind of from the beginning just thought, Oh, you know, like he's in Panama, he's going to be in Panama. So I knew kind of like the nations is this thing that God spoke to me. And that was something really clear, like even in in the time in Africa, when God asked me to stay in that one time that I lost my flight, um, God just showed me like, Oh, your, your call is to the nations because I actually was going to come and help my brother pioneer his base here since like 99 (laughs) so so since then the lord just did tour and said no like your call is to the nation so i stayed in africa and i went to jamaica and did all this and here i was again in 2005 back in here to help my brother to pioneer this base and (laughs) and then i met i met ezra and we were doing the nico together And we were always singing together at the back, like worship. And I kind of figured out, oh, we both like worship, you know, like we enjoy doing this. And we were in the middle of the mountain. It was kind of like survival, you know. (laughs) And I remember, um, like, I didn't really think much of it because I was just there for like the four days and I'm going to be done with this Nico. (laughs) But after that... um, We went to a conference in El Salvador, which it was a Y1 conference for the region, and that's where we met up again, and uh, I was always talking to the people in his team, he was leading the DTS, and this lady, there were uh, two couples in the DTS, and I remember one of the ladies was always like trying to have this conversation with me, she's like, so what do you think of the guys in our team? And she went through all the guys that were in that DTS. And I, no, 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 whatever. So she got to Ezra and I said, well, he's pretty nice guy. And we talk a lot and everything, but I said, he's in Panama. And then she's like, well, I think he really feels his time in Panama is over. And I was like, (laughs) okay. So then I, I, finished that conversation and I went back to my room. We were staying in a hotel and then I just kinda asked the Lord, I said, so was this a was this a gap conversation or was it just a simple conversation? So when I was asking the Lord, he gave me description in Ezekiel 37, which the first part is the dry bones, but the second part is about two sticks becoming one in god's hand and that was the scripture that uh, it was two kingdoms becoming one and be mighty in god's hand and i was like okay so then after that i was like oh thank you lord i have my word this is good you know (laughs) this is good for me so i was ready i was like i'm i'm signing i'm ready and then i was (laughs) waiting for him to say something you know (laughs) so in the conference like we talked and like we exchanged emails and stuff and then we were emailing each other and we kind of knew that we were interested in marriage like i from the beginning in any like after being so many years in why i'm single it's like hi what's your name what's your vision
0: <laughs> yes i it's understand like, that
2: hi bye or you know whatever so uh so, yeah, I was just ready. I was like, I had my word. The Lord said, This is good to stick in His hand, becoming one. So then I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting for Him. <laughs> he was asking how we met. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> so you heard you yeah, the story? You
2: can yeah, yeah, yeah. It what took different. you so
0: long, Ezra. What, what, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what you shared, but uh, you probably shared how we met in the Nico, right? Yes. yes. And, well, the, the funny thing was, too, at that time, I was leading a DTS, um, you know, from Panama, which we came up to do the Nico at that time. But there was, like, it was, it was a great group of, of students. Uh, we, we actually had two families. Um, and so, there, you know, two two couples that had kids were doing the DTS um and then there is yeah a few singles uh, but they're they're really a, a fun group and and it was kind of like like half joking half prophetic but they kept saying ezra you're gonna meet your wife in this <laughs> conference in el salvador <laughs> and and all throughout the the lecture phase you know they, they kept like joking around about that they kept saying uh sorry there's just some car I heard, I
0: heard that i <laughs> thought an accident was gonna happen
1: yeah Mm -hmm. but they they kept joking with me and saying you know well they were we're thinking in that dts
2: because even where you stop you know in those in the highway in panama (laughs) they will always be thinking oh it's just gonna meet somebody like the wife somewhere well
1: yeah yeah there's this (laughs) one time where i was driving them all in a van and i had to stop at a toll booth and i was giving the money you know to the to the lady there and then i and then I took off, and they're like, Ezra, did you, did you see how she was looking at you? And kind of, they were really funny. Oh, yeah, it was really funny. So anyway, that's kind of how it turned out, though. I met Jaconda, met and then we ended up going to that conference. And, and it was in that conference when, like, the Lord was, well, I, I don't know what was going on, but, like, inside my heart, I was thinking, is this, is she the one? You know, what's going wow. on here? And my thoughts were getting all just crazy, and. And, uh, not sure what was happening, but, um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's how it all started. (laughs) Wow.
0: Wow. Okay. And you've been married for how long now?
1: It's going to be 15 years in in January. January.
0: 15. Wow. Yeah. Carmi and I, we're going to be married. I can't remember how many it's either. I think it's four, it's maybe 14, (laughs) 14 years in March. So yeah, okay. we're not that far, that's, that's awesome. And so now, okay, so, so you've gone through this whole journey, you met, you got married and Ezra, you ended up going to San Jose to be part of the base there. And so, so what is it, what is your role? Cause I, I know you've, you've, you've been there for four years. I imagine just because of YOM, cause I was in YOM for so long as well. You kind of bounced around a little bit, but what has been your focus, your, your goal there on the base all this time?
1: Yeah. Um, well, uh, a couple of different things. I mean, yeah, the main thing uh, still is with with worship, uh, just leading the area of worship here, um, and then another thing is that we also lead the ministry of Bible distribution, um, and and so that's uh, you know that's just uh, something that is is a goal for YWAM uh, globally to put a Bible in every home. And so we're doing that here in Costa Rica. We do that with teams that come. We do that with our DTSs. How many uh,
0: Bibles have you given out?
1: Uh, well, since I've been a part of it, it's been probably close to around 2,000, wow. uh, maybe 2,500. Uh, but in San Jose, since we started, uh, I think about eight years ago, you know, it's it's been over 10,000 Bibles, something wow. like that. So
0: and that you go, you go house to house to do that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you
0: have, because uh, when we were in Panama, we had maps of everything, uh, what we got from the city and we'd mark off the roads. Do you guys do that yes. as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, we also do that. Yeah, we try to, <clears throat> yeah, we, we're trying to get organized with it and strategic, but that's the idea is to kind of take, you know, little sections at a time and, and mark it off. Uh, there's actually a... Some guy I think he's out of I think he was out of Kona Hawaii he actually made an app uh, for people that are doing Bible distribution and it's a really cool thing. you can actually as you're going door to door you can just touch on the map on the app of where you've gone and you can either select whether they've received a Bible or they already had a Bible or they weren't, weren't home you know things like that and so that keeps track of, of everything too so we've, we've tried using that app as well. Can anybody
0: use that or is it just for, for YWAMers or?
1: Um, yeah, anybody can use it. I think, I think you have to find the app, you know, through people that are using it already. Um, okay.
0: So and, it isn't just openly available on the Apple store or something like that.
1: You know, it might be um, if you look for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could, I could tell you the name. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah I'd
0: love, I'd love to have the name just to write it. Cause, cause I always have just different notes that people can read uh, whenever they finish the interview. And so sometimes I like to put little things like that in there. So if they if the, the app is yeah. out there, it'd be cool. People might want to download it. Check it out.
1: Yeah. 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 I can find out. I can look it up.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So man, 10,000 Bibles. I heard that in Kona, is it, was it Kona or is it another one of the islands there in Hawaii where they have covered the entire Island now they've reached, they've given Bibles in every single home on the Island, the YWAM base there, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. They have, I mean, I know that they, they did that quite a while ago back, yeah. I think in the eighties was the first time that, that the Lord really uh, started moving them towards that. And then I'm sure they've done that recently again. Um, and also out of Kona, they're doing lots of, uh, lots of just initiatives of, of uh, Bible distribution uh, where they, you know, they, they do that in Nepal and many other countries. Uh, and so, yeah, it's neat to see that, you know, that all around, all around the globe, YOM is really pushing towards that. And really it's coming from Lauren, from Lauren Cunningham. That's just one of his, his main, uh, things passions. that, yeah, his passions that he's just talking about, uh, whenever he gets the chance is, is to get a Bible in every home as well as finish translating the Bible into all the languages that are still yet to be translated. So that every, uh, person can have the Bible in their mother tongue. Um, and so, yeah, just the importance of the word of God, you know, you, you've probably seen the book that he wrote about, uh, the book that transforms the nations. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and it really is amazing. Just, just the, the gift and, and the power, you know, of the word of God and, and how that, and that's really what we're trying to do through Bible distribution is just to lay that foundation of the word of God in nations so that, um, because that needs to be a part of the revival and the reformation that God wants to do, it's always based upon you know god's word and and that's what really brings the long term uh transformation and and you know sustained uh changes in nations and in people's lives. so
0: do you find whenever you go out and you do Bible distribution, do you have a lot of resistance because I know I know here we did some Bible distribution not very often, but we, we have done Bible distribution going door to door. And every time you have people who come out and they're screaming at you and cursing at you. And do you have that Mm -hmm. issue there in Costa Rica? Are people a little bit more open to it?
1: Yeah, I I would say people are are more open here. Just, you know, I think this culture is a little bit more warm, you know, the warm culture climate. Um, And, and so people are, are pretty friendly, pretty open. Um, I think the main thing that we find as far as resistance is that, you know, also as a culture, it's very Catholic. And so, uh, you know, many times the response is just, uh, I'm Catholic, which, mm. you know, for us it's kind of like, okay, so what does that mean? But, yeah. but it kind of means that, uh, yeah, that there, it is kind of, it's a different, you know, than the evangelistic, uh, you know, kind of Christian.
2: But I think one of the things is that like we try to stay with the middle ground, you know, like if they say they're Catholic, We just ask: Can we pray for you? Is there anything Mm -hmm. that we can do? If you already have a Bible, that's great. I mean, it's it's just a way to say, you know, our goal is to put a Bible in every home. So you have one; that's awesome. Like, if you don't, we can give to you for free, and just have the opportunity how we can pray for you. And it's just amazing to see what God does many times. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we we still get like lots of just openness, even uh, from. From Catholics, that you know, that they may not really agree or understand why we're giving out Bibles, but but they're still very open most of the time uh, for us to pray for them, and and that's something we always you know try to ask is if we could pray for people because it's not only giving a Bible, but it's just that that personal ministry you know to people that that is so so powerful and so impacting. And so, every chance that we get, we just try to share about the Lord, we just try to um, ask if we can pray for them, and and it's just amazing how how we've seen God just, you know, meet those people, meet us in those moments like that. Uh, You know, just as we take that small step of, of obedience and just kind of willingness just to, you know, talk to people about the Lord, he, he shows up and we always see it whenever we go and, and do, you know, those outreaches.
0: Yeah. You, you guys, you, you've been in ministry for so long for you what have been some of the hard parts of ministry? What Being in, in as missionaries for so long, what have been some of the struggles for you? And I ask that just because I know you probably do as well. I know for myself, especially here in the States, I often meet people who they say that they wanna be missionaries, they wanna go on the mission field. And a lot of times they'll go and they'll quit because oftentimes when you read missionary books or you read biographies or whatever, it tends to be mostly just highlights and they don't really talk so much about what is what is the hard part about missions, and so people don't really have any expectation of that. They don't realize, oh, this this could be difficult. So, for yeah. you, what have been the challenges of being of being on the mission field for so long?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a good question. It's that's a it's a real thing because um, I mean, first of all, because the enemy doesn't want anybody being a missionary, right? That's right. <laughs> and so he'll just he'll just bring up anything. In your life that you maybe you struggle with, and try to make that an issue, um, and so you know, like like me personally or us, we'll see just a, a wide variety of different things uh, that that can just try to bring discouragement or try to make you want to quit. You know, and that's one of the big things is just you know there's <clears throat> yeah the enemy just wants to get you to quit and. And like Laurie Cunningham and, and other leaders in YOM always say, you know, the most important thing is just never, never give up, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and that is such mm-hmm. an important part of anything in life, you know, that that you wanna go towards. If you just don't give up, then you'll eventually get there and you'll see some good things happen. Um, and so, I mean, I think for for me, um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's lots of things that come to mind. Um, you know, again, it's always a, a walk of faith and trusting in God, especially when like finances get tight. When when you start thinking about the future, you know, you're thinking about like like when kids are going to go to college and things like that. You know, and so those questions come in mind of, of just the the what if or, or how is it going to work in the future, and and that's all kind of based in fear. You know, when you start going that way uh, instead of um, you know based in faith which is what God calls us to. And so it's a challenge, you know, to live in by faith, to walk by faith. Uh, but again, it's just, it's just a not give up kind of thing and, and like always go back to just who God is. And I mean, I, that happens often for me that I have to face some of those difficult thoughts and things that try to throw me off. And I just have to get back to God and like really get myself focused and get to that place where I just, I know who God is and I'm going to believe that in my heart. Um, So that, you know, that's a big one. Um, I think too, I think a a huge one is just uh, is, is with relationships, you know, with people and that's something that, you know, we teach about in our DTSs is about relationships and how, how the enemy uses that to, uh, to get people um, out of missions. Uh, just because of conflicts, you know, conflicts in relationships and, and just, you know, people have different ways of doing things, different ways of thinking about things. And, and, you know, that's different than mine. And so there's just always, yeah, different personalities. So there's always a walk, like there's always a challenge to walk in humility, to walk in like, you know, surrendering, uh, submitting yourself to other people, um, you know, like, like we, we do that, you know, mutually. And so, uh, so just working as a team, working in relationship, you know it's a challenge, but it's a beautiful thing you know when we do it with the lord but it's it's a challenge as well uh, those are a couple things that come to my mind. I don't know if you want to add
2: well i think I think when you read a book, it's kind of you know fun and but when you are in the real deal, like when you're doing it, it's like, well, not that fun, you know like. <laughs> Uh, you're trusting the Lord for a miracle or but it is faith you know like it's that exercise of faith you know the believe what he said he's gonna do to know that his his word is a promise to really make your walk of faith you know and it's like Paul he's running the race with his eyes on Jesus you know letting go of everything the entangles you know there is a hindrance that it's it is like that it is just a walk because it is true like sometimes you will get to a place and oh we're gonna travel oh six tickets that's a lot of money (laughs) we're gonna do whatever it's just like oh how do we do this but because we like I seen God like giving a for so many things it's like okay he can do it again you know like And sometimes it's, it's a challenge because maybe we don't see it in the moment and we have to step out, but it's, it's just a walk, you know, and, and I think uh, people might not really think, well, you know, it didn't work for me this time. Maybe this is not my thing, but it's, it's not that simple, you know, like we don't make a contract with God, like I'm going to serve you and you're going to do everything that I need. It's more like we say we lay down our life and we're going to trust you that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. You know, it's, it's more like a, a trust thing.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So what, what do you say to somebody? Let's say we have somebody who, who listens to this or watches this and you have a young person who they want to be a missionary and let's say they want to go to, they want to go to Costa Rica. They want to train with you guys there in San Jose at the YWAM base what what advice do you give to somebody who comes to you with that passion? What are the first steps that someone would take in order to just even go in that direction?
2: Well, the first thing I would say, get a word of the Lord. <laughs> no, you're going to the right place. <laughs> uh, because for me, that's just the way I have functioned always. Like I, I need to have something I hold on to and then I don't care so how a storm. So what what, is,
0: what does that look like? What does that look like for somebody? Because some people, a lot of people, they they hear that and they think, I don't even know what the word of the Lord looks like. What would they What would they look for?
2: Well, for me, I just need to know that God is saying to me, "This is what you're gonna do." Like you know, like I shared about getting married. Like I yeah. had the scripture God gave me, and I said, "Okay, I'm set." Like I don't need anything else. I I know this is from the Lord, but. um, uh, I know it's different for everybody, but I think something that is very important is that you feel at peace, Like God will give you a peace, that you are in the right place doing the right thing. Um, Most of the time, if we're not doing the right thing, then it will be, you know, you will think about it twice, you will question it, you will, you know, wonder. But if you have the peace of God and you know, this is what God spoke to me, that's good.
0: Okay, so, so you you believe that having sort of like a, a confidence that doesn't go away is, is a confirmation in this.
2: Well, and you can ask people to pray with you. You yeah. can ask your parents, you can ask your pastor, you can ask different people, you know, can you walk with me on this process? Like I feel like God is saying this to me. Uh, so you don't feel like, you know, is this like, you know, I I know God can speak to you. And I certainly know he can speak to everybody, but sometimes it's hard for people to hear his voice. sometimes it's hard to know, well, I don't know, I never talked to God. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But it's important that, you know, you talk to God, you talk to others, you seek advice. um, And sometimes it's gonna be challenging. Sometimes you're not gonna have all the money, you know, to go. Like, sometimes people think, oh, I have all the money. I save all the money, so I'm just going to go and do it because I have what I, what it takes. But, you know, God can can do that, too. Like, he can use and encounter you in that place. But I would really recommend that you seek him, that you ask him, you know. Like, because when we are going to be missionaries, we are going to be depending on God. We don't depend yeah. on the people that give us the money. We don't depend on, like, self uh supporting ourselves we depend in god like he spoke to us to do something so we trust him in in that so for me like that's really really key
0: wow yeah i know that's that's one of the things a lot of people struggle with is the whole financial side because they i I was talking Mm -hmm. to somebody else in another interview about this about how i meet so many people who That I've known for years that will talk about how oh I'm I'm just saving up enough money to go on the mission field, but they end up perpetually saving money and never actually going. And a lot of it is because the way things work in the kingdom are the opposite. You kind of have to go. It it, it's of course different with different people and how God speaks to you, but oftentimes you kind of have to Mm -hmm. go first and then God starts to provide as you're there. It's it's how those steps of faith, you know. Yes. So so for you. How has it been having a family, having, I know for me, the biggest struggle with my boys was that for me, I I just struggled as a parent with them not having, really not having friends and uh, we homeschooled with all the travel and everything and just, just doing that kind of stuff for you. I actually remember having a conversation with Lauren Cunningham about this because I was really struggling with just the, my kids. I felt like life was so unstable just going on outreaches because I was leading whenever I was in Wyoming I was leading a lot of schools and I was leading a lot of t- short-term teams and I just felt like my kids had no stability and I asked him I said what advice would you give me how do I not have my kids grow up and be crazy like like a lot of missionary kids are you know they grow up and they 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 just go off on some other some other thing and he told me he said the most important thing is to have stability in life that it can be small things he said whenever he would travel with his kids he would always bring the same blankets for his kids the same they'd have their own plates and their own cups and their own forks that they traveled everywhere with and so whenever they were in a hotel or at a church floor or whatever they had this they could make their little room the same toys all that kind of stuff so for you two how has it been Raising these kids on the mission field, I, and I know Jaconda, I know you're from Costa Rica, so you're raising them at home. But in terms of having these kids who are, because uh, like Carmi and I, it's two different cultures raising children uh, in this uh, in in a different context than what most people would. How has that been for you?
2: Well, I think it's interesting because, like you said, you know, like when we start, we start without kids. You know, like we were married and God called us actually to go to Hawaii and that's we, we went when Joshua was nine months old and then Abby was born there and Mariah was born here but she lived in Hawaii for a year so we were there for almost five years and that was a really good place for being a family in missions like it was beautiful like a lot of families and it was really, it shaped our idea of family missions, of how the kids can be part of what we do. You know, it's not just like my dad or my mom are missionaries, but we are missionaries. We as a family do it together. And it changed our idea of having kids even. Like I remember when we (laughs) <laughs> when I was there I was thinking I'm just gonna have one like two kids you know because my brother and I were two and Ezra and his sisters too and I thought two was good <laughs> <laughs> but being there like got really you know shake that like she he was just really challenging me you know like we had this mom's group and I remember one of the speakers like she came and she was asking about how got challenged her to allow him, allow him to be God in that part of the relationship. And she was sharing how he was saying, you want me to be God in your finances, but you don't want me to be God in this area of having kids. You said, I want two and that's it. I don't want any more or three or four. I think they had three at that time or four. And they were like, we're done. And God was like, well, and, and that really challenged me because like her encounter with god like she was outside of a planned parenthood thing and she was praying you know against abortion and and he was saying well you're not really different than them and she's like no i'm pro-life and he's like i'm the giver of life and you said you don't want any more kids so i mean it's like i'm god (laughs) i'm the one who gives life but you want me to be god in your finances but not in this part and so i was so challenged i was like god we can trust you because the main lie of the culture is like oh you're going to have too many kids and then yeah what about six tickets you know that's that's the thing like you if you put your eyes on that then you're not going to have those kids because it's too much money you know like it's just this big lie and we have to be saying well god we trust you with those whatever we trust you for two or three or four or five tickets, we're going to trust you because you're the same God. So it's, it's, that's the challenge for people to overcome that. So when we were there and then God called us to leave Hawaii and come back to Latin America and we were in Panama and we came to Costa Rica. I think the most like important thing for us was how can we do missions as a family? like how can we go and we also are involved with homes of hope and our kids love to go and build homes with us and go and give bibles to people in their homes Uh, and i think part of that moving around and traveling it's just that we are a family and we trust god we listen to the lord we pray together god do we pray can we go here? What do you want us to do? What and then they feel like they they're part of that. It's not just like we come and announce we're gonna do these guys or whatever. But it's we do it together.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Well
2: Sorry for the rain. <laughs> oh, it's
0: raining right now. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> it's pouring. <laughs> oh wow. Well no, that's okay. Yeah, I mean so, just I just have one last question. Really, whenever Ezra, you mentioned that one of the things that you t- you you guys focus on there in the basis on worship is that is that leading worship or do you do worship schools there as well? Uh,
1: yeah, we we have done worship schools in the past, and yeah, that's something we would like to do. We're not running any right now, uh, so yeah, it's it's leading worship, um, and it really, you know, like like for me. Uh, early on when we were just recently married and, and getting into YWAM, um, you know that's that's something that God kind of marked my life in that area of worship not not just to you know lead worship or lead music or whatever but but kind of the the main thing of of, um, of just to be with God more than doing for God and and kind of like keeping first things first you know the, the first and greatest commandment is to love God you know love just love him with all that we are and then the second is to love your neighbor you know to go out and do the ministry yeah. but and so keeping that priority uh, is is so important you know and just to prioritize just being with God just being in his presence just sitting at his feet you know like Mary did uh, and so yeah those things are 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 very important especially for a mission space, you know, that we're a part of because we're always doing stuff, you know, we're always geared just to go out and, and be busy and, and and do things. And so, um, yeah, kind of, you know, part of this worship ministry is just to keep that priority where we can just keep pursuing God, you know, and and in prayer, uh, we, we have a prayer room that we've, uh, you know, developed on the base here. And just to, just to kind of say, you know, we value this in the middle in the midst of our community we we want to make it a value we want to make it a priority of of just looking to god you know just gazing upon his face just being in his presence because that's where we get filled up so that we can uh take you know him to the people and if we're not doing that then then what are we taking you know sometimes just from our own strength or or different things like that and so we always want to just be going back to that place of seeking the Lord, seeking his presence, uh, and, and, and keeping that first love, you know, burning, burning hot for the Lord and not growing cold. <clears throat> and so that's kind of, that's kind of my passion. And, and what I, you know, try to keep, uh, in, in our community, in this area of worship and prayer, just pursuing the Lord.
0: Do you think, do you think that that passion for worship is something that maybe is, is lacking a little bit in some of the churches around the world, not, not any church in specific, but just in terms, I just think of, especially here in the United States, church attendance has gone down 1% every year for the past 20 years. So it's down 20% in the United States and dropping. Do you, and sometimes I feel like a lot of it has to do with the presence of God lacking. Do you you feel like maybe, maybe a lot of uh, worship is more, you talked about leading music, do you think a lot of it is more music than worship? Maybe more concerty than music or or than worship. Or how how do you feel about that?
1: Well, uh, yeah, for my own opinion, I would say definitely yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, <clears throat> I I do remember 20 years ago, you know, and, and those were the days that I was really getting a heart of worship in my own church, and and it, it was it was such a you know. I remember there were always just sweet times of really experiencing the presence of God, you know, and, and feeling the weight of his glory. Mm. And, and I just, I wonder, and I, you know, it's probably true that 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 is lacking, you know, a bit in, in many churches because of different reasons. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the reasons started out good that, you know, they, they, they wanted to bring more people into the church. And so maybe it became kind of the, the seeker friendly or whatever that's called. Um, and, and so instead of, yeah, instead of just uh, going for it into that, you know, into that place of, of just the glory of God, maybe it's become a little more superficial, you know, and, and, and so they're not allowing people to get there. So I think that, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of that that is, that is being missed. Um,
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, I I was talking about that with another, another guest we had on the, on the podcast as well, just about how, and we were talking about prayer and Bible school because that's uh, sorry, Sunday school, because there are a lot of things whenever I was a teenager, things that were so key to my growing up, my, me, just the the passion that I have for missions and the Lord and everything. So much of it was going to church on Sunday morning. And I remember the the group of teenagers, we were reading the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis at 13 years old. And we were talking about this in Sunday school. And now the vast majority of churches don't even have Sunday school and people don't pray before service starts. And that there's, there's, and the worship is a lot of it is very, it's more concert than it is really trying to just uh, build that altar to the Lord in worship and to mm-hmm. allow that hit the glory of his presence to, to really rest on it. And, and a lot of times it's so rushed because worship is, it's like the, it's everything revolves around the sermon. And so right. the worship is sort of the precursor to the sermon. It's like, it's sort of like warming people up for the sermon rather than I, I was, I read this, Oh, who was it? I, I just did. Oh, when I was reading about William Seymour, I did the last uh, a couple episodes ago, I did a biography on William Seymour and the Azusa Street revival and how it how it was birthed and how it died. And one of the big reasons that it was even birthed in the first place was because they had a huge focus on worship. And they when they went into worship, they, they said that worship was a holy sacrifice to the Lord. And they they saw it as one of the most sacred, just give me goosebumps, just talking about it. But they, they said it was one of the most sacred moments of the entire revival was when they would come into worship. And it wasn't just we're gonna sing and then we're gonna hear William preach or whoever preach. It was this is the time, this is when we are giving a sacrifice to the Lord. And it was just so yeah. powerful.
2: I think part of that is is that hunger to know God, to hear his voice, to know his presence, to hear his heart, you know, like that intimacy. Like if, if, we, if we do that during the week, if we are pursuing the Lord, then Sunday when we all gather, will be a place where we can come and just be in awe of who God is. And you know, like it's, it's something that we need to cultivate to pursue, to long for that presence of God to... And the thing is that it, it revolves about God. It's not about the program or the, you know, how many minutes or how many whatever, but it's about more encountering God, encountering His presence and and be known by Him and know Him. And um, I think that's something that, that God is, is actually even moving us towards that because, the, I, I can think of this whole COVID thing and how interrupted all the normal life, like everything has been like a, I know a lot of people have said it, it's like a reset, you know, like there is a, hasn't been anything in history, at least in the last decades, that is being like this for the whole world. But I think God is bringing us to Him, you know, like in the midst of all the fear, like, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to, you know, go in that, but we need to run to him to hear from him, to feed on him, to pursue him. But I think many times all that noise and all the commotion, it just kind of, instead of us pursuing him, can people kind of shut down, you know? It's like, oh, what yeah. do we do? Like, you can go to church. You can go here. You can go there. You can, but we can always go to God, you know, like that's what he wants us to go to him. And, and I think it's, it's unprecedented times. And I think God is, is gonna, you know, make something different out of all this mess. You know, it's something that is not bringing life is, is detrimental. It's bringing distraction and all these different things like death. But if we pursue God, if the church, you know, gets this passion from, for him, um, there
1: will be
0: something beautiful coming out of that. Yeah. Well, Ezra and Jaconda, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story and, and your passion for worship. And uh, it's, it's just so powerful. And I know that it's going to be a real blessing for a lot of people. And, and uh, I just really appreciate your time. Thank you guys so much.
1: Thank you. you, We appreciate it too.
0: All right. Well, I'll talk to you again soon. Have a great afternoon.
1: All right,
2: bye. bless you,
1: bye. bye.